Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. I'm Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. Hey, everybody. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Thank you for listening. And we're on episode 33. So. Oh, it's a biblical number. Mm, oh, is it? Yeah. It's possibly the age of Jesus when he died. Mm. Bum, bum, bum. So we have just come out of the story of the Tower of Babel. Babel. <laughs> and now we're moving into Abraham. Is there anything you want to say about the transition? Well, just a real quick summary. At the Tower of Babel, God divided the people. They were scattered, and he set gods over the nations. And those gods were supposed to execute justice in the land. But according to Psalm 82, they eventually defect and go AWOL. And so this creates quite a dilemma for God because... God does want to rule and reign, and he desires a people, and he couldn't find anyone who wanted to be his people. I think probably by way of a timeline, kind of setting this up, there's different theories about chronology, about timeline, about how much time passed between the events of the Tower of Babel and the call of Abraham. Conservative estimate is around 200-something years you know, low 200s, and a very uh, another estimate would be maybe up even to a thousand years, and so there's kind of debate about that. But the important thing I think we want to draw attention to here is that God waits a really long time. You know, by anyone's standards, whether it's 200 or a thousand, that's still a long time before He taps someone on the shoulder and says, "Hey, like you want to start a nation." You want to get in with me and start, you know, this thing from scratch? So I think I think the time is, is important to notice because this is going to play in later on in the story of Abraham, this issue of timing, and that God is not in a rush. He's not in a hurry. Yes, and I think it's safe to say that's longer than any of us had to wait for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so It's true. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're actually going to kind of narrate Genesis 11, 27 through 32, and then we're going to read Genesis 12, 1 through 4. So do you want me to go ahead and jump in narrating, or did you have something that you wanted to... No, I will let you do the narrating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we're choosing to narrate this because it's, it's basically boring genealogy, but there, there's an important sort of backstory here that... Um, you know, Shem, you know, Shem, Ham, and Japheth coming out of the ark. Well, in Gen- at the end of Genesis 11, the writer of Genesis narrates Shem's descendants. So he's like, Shem begot this person, and they begot this person, and begot, 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 all the way down to this guy named Terah, who is actually Abraham's daddy. Okay, you say, well, well who cares who Abraham's dad is? Well, there's this little footnote in Joshua 24 when Joshua is about to lead the people of Israel into the land of Canaan, he renews the covenant, and he says, Hey, everybody, by the way, you know, your fathers, and he mentions Terah by name, 
Abraham's daddy. He says, your fathers, including Terah, worshipped other gods on this side of the river. I'm sorry, on the other side of the river. In other words, the other side of the Jordan River. Referring exclusively to the, to the land of Haran. And uh, the reason why that's important is because we often think, you know, Abraham may have descended from this really godly family and, you know, his daddy was a worshiper of Yahweh and Abraham just kind of inherits this faith in the one true living God. And uh, it's not so. Abraham's coming out of a family that worshiped idols. And so this kind of thickens the plot as to how Abraham ends up being the guy that God chooses to start a nation that will have him as their only God. It's like, man, how did what was it about Abraham that sort of positioned him and qualified him for that role? Um, it, it's a little bit of a mystery, but I think it's kind of interesting detail in the story. Yeah, obviously God knows something deeper within him and sees something, you know, past the surface. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, there's an episode in the story of Abraham where God looks in and sees faith. And now, there, there is a Jewish tradition, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a Jewish tradition that Abraham went in and burned. Like, his dad is apparently a maker of idols. He's sort of like the town, you know, artisan who's crafting all these idols and people buy them. And that Abraham goes in and burns all the wooden idols that his father made and really ticked his father off. It's a Jewish tradition. We don't know if it's true or not. But there was something in Abraham that was open to the idea that there's a God above all the other gods. And that that God can somehow communicate with you. And there's, there's this other being in addition to or higher than these other gods that were being enculturated to worship. So that's that's kind of admirable of Abraham. Yeah, that's a great point to make. Well, in uh, a part of this narration is that Terah was living in, you know, the land of Chaldees. And uh, it says that Terah, Abraham's father, took Abraham and some of their extended family and brought them to the land of Haran, which is at the north east side of the Holy Land. It's on the the side of the Holy Land near uh, Mount Hermon. That Terah took his family up there. Eventually, Terah dies in Haran. And once his father died, once Abraham's father dies, we don't know when God appeared to him and gave him the download. But what we're about to read in Genesis 12 happened at some point, likely either while Abraham was living in Haran or while he was living with his father in Ur of the Chaldees. Well, I guess we'll just go ahead and read chapter 12, 1 through 4, because this is when God makes his first contact that we're aware of with Abraham. All right, let's read Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 
Okay, so they're leaving out of Heron. He's got his marching orders. I think our next episode, we're going to look at this story from the perspective of Abraham. But in this episode, we actually want to look at this story from the perspective of God. In other words, what was it like to be God? Um, Hence talking about the waiting aspect. Yes, yes. I mean, there you know, there are passages that say, you know, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And so, you know, we kind of use that as a way to relativize time with God. But there's two sides of the coin there. One day can be experienced as a thousand years to God. So, you know, let's say it was 200 years, you know, between Tower of Babel and the call of Abraham. Well, God experiences that as 200,000 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, a, there's an aspect of this where God is very patient. Something that we're going to see in the, in the story of Abraham is that God is actually looking for genuine relational interaction with us. And you get the sense that God actually gets pleasure out of his interactions with us, that his desire to meet with us, that is evidenced all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and his desire to mature us, to bring us into the fullness of who he created us to be. Like any good father, he enjoys that interaction with his sons and daughters, and he enjoys seeing them make progress and grow and mature and develop. And if you can think about, you know, this experience of rejection from the Tower of Babel, and God does not just go find the next willing agent. It's because God is not just like starting a program. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, doing clinical trials of some kind of medication and he's looking for people to sign up, you know, to be the guinea pig. He's looking for someone to partner with him in the healing and transformation of that corrupted human nature. And he doesn't want to just do it with one person. He wants to do it with a group of people. But he's going to have to do this uh, with someone who's willing to walk with him for a long, extended period of time. Because that developmental process doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time to undo the dysfunction and the corruption in our human nature and to rebuild that human nature as we walk in partnership with God. And so God takes his time before he actually initiates with someone, and that someone that he initiates this relationship with is Abraham. And so it really does make you wonder, man, what what was it about Abraham that the Lord set his eyes on him? What did he see in Abraham Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things God is looking for or was looking for in a person. But one of the things that hit me when I was reading this morning through this is that this conversation is like longer than just Abram, go do this. There's a lot more meat to it. And not only that, but time after time, God comes back to Abram and tells him, him over and over again the same thing in different ways using different methods Mm. 
And but also I was just thinking about the length of this conversation and how like just think about to Noah. He listened to God and he got like full details of how to build this huge boat mm. and put it together and it actually floated. Mm. But he got all those details from God. Mm. So I can't imagine that Noah was going through that whole process of people making fun of him and going through the whole process of building the boat without continuing to come back to God and them working through things together, you know, and cause we see that with Abram. And so, yeah, I think there is definitely something here about God desiring relationship. And it just makes me think of when we're listening to God Sometimes we stop at one little, like, yes, I want you to do this. We stop listening or stop asking questions or coming back to him for more. And I think he wants to tell us, like, he wants to give us a vision for, you know, the future. He wants to give us details. He wants that relationship to be to come back over and over again together is a continual conversation. So it just makes me think, you know, how open we should be to listening to him for more, mm. asking questions about what he's telling us and not settling for, you know, just a gentle leading or, Mm. I think he he wants to tell us a lot more and we just have to be willing to listen. Yeah, I really like what you're saying. It it um it made me think about this sort of like open-ended phrase that God tells Abraham and it implies that Abraham is going to have to come back for more interaction. He says, you know, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Mm. Like he, he didn't even let him know where he was going, but he did say, you need to leave your current, you know, situation. And it implies that Abraham's going to have to come back and get some directions. You know, he's going to have, okay, I've left, like we're a couple miles out. Do you want me to go south? Do you want me to go east? You know, like what? Like I, he has to check in with God uh, to keep the journey going. And it kind of fits that pattern that we've kind of said that God wants to meet with us. And that metaphor that shows up with Enoch, it shows up with Noah, that they walked with God. And that's a little bit of a different metaphor than just, you know, Enoch talked with God. It's that Enoch walked with God, which means like there's this ongoing interaction everywhere you go. Wherever you go, there he is. Uh, there's opportunity for conversation and interaction with him. So I really like what you said, too, about him having a vision because he's got this huge vision for Abraham. Um, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I think God does have a vision for our lives. I think he does have thoughts about what we can be. And what our future, what the kind of future he wants for us. And I think uh, we kind of sell ourselves short if we think, you know, Abraham or 
these other biblical characters are the only people that God had dreams for. I think he's got dreams for all of his kids. And I think it's uh, there's an invitation there for us to meet with him, to, uh, to walk with him, to let him mature us, because he really does have, he has thoughts about our future. Absolutely. He does for, for each one of us. And I don't want to, I don't want you to get discouraged. Like if you don't know how to hear God's voice or Mm. if you only hear like just little pieces, we, we have been in that spot. We were in that spot for a long time, for years of not really knowing how to hear God Mm -hmm. and relate to him as a friend and as a coworker. But I just encourage you just to keep asking questions. And one day you may be surprised. Like 15 years ago, I would have never imagined I could sit down with a journal and ask one question and and just write like a page or two of an answer that God gives me. Mm. But you can. He wants to talk to us. Mm -hmm. And over and over again, every day, he wants to have that kind of relationship and to guide us and show us um, the best, the best mm-hmm. way. You know, this is unplanned here, but I'm going to plug a blog post on our website that we just posted recently. There's a tool on there about uh, hearing God, and it's four steps to hearing God. And if so if you go on the onelifenashville.com and go to our blog, the title of the post, I think, is called Hearing God, or Four Steps to Hearing God, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, there's no other blog post on there right now that talks about hearing God. There's just one. Yeah. So and It's a um, video. It's a video. It's a short video. It's like a two or three minute video or something like that. So, uh, yeah, there, if, if, if this piques your interest, you know, then yeah. check that out. That may open up some things for you. Yeah, and there's lots of ways, you know. that That's one way to help you get started mm-hmm. if, if you need want to get started. There's and why would you not want to get started hearing God? <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. It's the best. It really is. And even in the New Testament, in James 2, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Where was he called God's friend, Tim? It's, it's a great question. Like I, Do you know? When we were reading through that, we were like, well, where, where's James getting that from? Yeah. You know, and it's actually in Second Chronicles chapter twenty and verse seven. They're asking a rhetorical question: uh, Are you not our God? They're they're talking to God. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Oh, yeah. So apparently, God had a BFF. and it was abraham okay but the encouraging thing in james is that basically james is saying look it's not just abraham that there's this trusting relationship that abraham becomes the example that we imitate and we too start living into this trusting relationship with god and i think god gets pleasure out of that relationship like he enjoys this interaction, he enjoys it when we trust him. And there is a friendship dynamic. And th- this really gets into your view of God, you know, like if there's sort of some debate about the nature of God in this area where some people call God the unmoved mover. 
and there's debate about, you know, divine impassibility and whether God can be affected by us and whether he can be, you know, experience genuine response to what we do and say. I think there's an aspect of him that is impassable, that cannot be changed by us. In other words, you know, Paul will say in Romans, you know, does you li- you know, do, does your lack of faith make God a liar? No. Like God is always going to be faithful. Our lack of faithfulness does not make him unfaithful. But I also think he is the moved mover. In other words, he is genuinely affected by us, which is why it grieves him when in the story of Noah. It grieves him, it grieves the Holy Spirit when we do not cooperate with him in our own development or in you know, the destruction of someone else. When we corrupt somebody else through our sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. So God is definitely relational. He becomes vulnerable to us in that relationship. Um, God has feelings, and we can actually affect his feelings. Absolutely, Tim. That's well said. And so I think, are you ready to close it out? Yep, we're ready to close it out. Okay. Well, you know, I just thought of something, um, something that helped me when I was first uh, just trying to grasp this relational aspect with God and just come to know him as a friend is I imagined him sitting with me as if I would sit with a friend over coffee or Mm. doing something that I would, you know, just have a normal conversation Mm. with any other person or any friend. And I just sat and talked to him and asked him questions in that way. And that was really helpful for me. It was kind of fun in a way. It was just, it was like fun questions. It wasn't like serious. What do I do with the rest of my life? <laughs> you know, now we did, get, we did end up getting all that. I was going to say you eventually got there, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And then he told you like, hang out with this guy named Tim, right? No, I'm just kidding. It was actually after we were married. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> that I really feel like I grasped this <laughs> concept of, of relating to God as a friend. Mm. But <laughs> 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 anyways, uh, but yeah, I just encourage you to do that. Just to, to sit down and talk to him like you would a friend. Yeah. To see how it goes. That's really good practical advice. Yeah. I'm all about the practical. Oh, yeah. Hey, I think we'll end it up here. We've gone long enough, and we will keep talking about Abraham for sure. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. It's gonna be kind of like the Garden of Eden, and it's gonna be multiple episodes <laughs> because it's so rich and he's referenced so many times in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, it's a big story, and it's the start of a a long time mm. a relationship between God and mm-hmm. His people. So mm-hmm. it's very important. Thanks for listening. If you guys want to subscribe, do that. If you want to keep listening, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, we will put our link in the notes, in the podcast notes. So you can just go there and leave us a question on our podcast page. Awesome. I love this conversation. We will catch you next time. 